This is Faye Hartman, and you're listening to We Are Rivers, conversations about the rivers that connect us, a podcast series brought to you by American Rivers. The Waccamaw River is a true treasure of the Carolinas. Beginning at Lake Waccamaw on the North Carolina coast, the Waccamaw River meanders 140 miles through protected bottomland hardwood forests of the Waccamaw National Wildlife Refuge and the Waccamaw River Heritage Preserve. It passes through the historic riverfront cities of Conway and Georgetown before flowing into the Winyaw Bay, which is less than an hour's drive south from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. The Waccamaw River and its surrounding lands constitute one of the most diverse freshwater wetland systems in the country. It supports more than 400 species of animals, as well as unique plant life. The Waccamaw is a blackwater river, and this type of river is only found in a few places around the world, including the southeastern United States. Blackwater rivers move slowly. They flow through forested swamps and wetlands and they're dark in color, almost tea-like, that's caused by a decay of vegetation in the river that leaches its tannins into the water. The tea-like color of the Waccamaw is not the only thing that makes this river unique. The Waccamaw is home to many different critical species, including black bear, swallowtail kites, and multiple species of carnivorous plants. In addition to its unique ecology, the Waccamaw is steeped in local history. Ancient Native American settlements, Gullah Geechee communities, Civil War sites, rice and indigo plantation, and historic homes and remnants of industries once served by steamships line the river's banks. The Waccamaw River is recognized as a national treasure that is vital to the health of natural and human communities in the Carolinas and beyond. Over a decade ago, communities along the Waccamaw came together to further amplify the recreational opportunities available on the river. The community developed the Waccamaw River Blue Trail that focused not only on enhancing recreation, but also protecting their river and its surrounding lands. More recently, the Waccamaw River Blue Trail became a federally designated national water trail. The communities along the Waccamaw have made the river a recreational and economic attraction. It's moved out of the shadow of the nearby tourist destination of Myrtle Beach and into the spotlight across the region. At the heart of the Waccamaw River is the Waccamaw National Wildlife Refuge. It's the centerpiece and is one of the largest continuous habitat areas in the southern coastal plains. Located at the confluence of the Waccamaw and the PD Rivers in South Carolina, the 55,000-acre refuge provides critical habitat for plant and wildlife species. It stores floodwaters that reduces flooding in downstream communities and allows for ample recreational opportunities while providing the region with clean drinking water. Join us today on We Are Rivers as we unpack the history of national wildlife refuges and spend time discovering the Waccamaw National Wildlife Refuge and discuss an important collaborative effort among local partners that work together to modify the Waccamaw National Wildlife Boundary and what that means for wildlife, for local communities, and the resiliency of coastal South Carolina. Wildlife refuges are one of several types of public lands that are protected by the U.S. government. Wildlife refuges protect wildlife habitat, 
They provide recreational opportunities for visitors, and they have numerous ecosystem services that benefit all 50 states. Setting aside national wildlife refuges for the protection of species dates back to the late 1800s, but they really gained traction at the turn of the century, as many species were facing extinction. There was an outcry from the public for the federal government to take action to protect these important species. President Theodore Roosevelt officially established the first National Wildlife Refuge in 1903. And today, National Wildlife Refuges are managed by the Fish and Wildlife Service, which is the oldest federal conservation agency. It can trace its lineage back to 1871. The Fish and Wildlife Service is the only agency in the federal government whose primary responsibility is the management of fish and wildlife for the American public. In the almost 120 years since the first National Wildlife Refuge, the system now comprises more than 560 units in all 50 states, American Samoa, Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, and several Pacific Islands. National Wildlife Refuges encompass over 850 million acres of valuable wildlife habitat that look to protect all different types of species. I think our mission was best defined in the Refuge Improvement Act in 1997, and that is to administer a national network of lands and waters for the conservation, management, and where appropriate, restoration of fish and wildlife and plant resources and their habitats within the United States for the benefit of present and future generations of America. That was Craig Sasser, refuge manager for the Waccamaw National Wildlife Refuge. As he explained, the National Wildlife System was developed to protect and manage habitat for all different species of wildlife for the benefit of present and future generations. I guess probably one of the best examples of why refuges are important is Pelican Island National Wildlife Refuge, which was established in 1903 is the first National Wildlife Refuge. Pelican Island was established for the protection of colonial nest birds in Florida, such as the snow egret and brown pelican, and, and the habitat that Pelican Island encompassed was a very, very important nesting area for them. Other examples uh, include western refuges established for bison in 1906 and elk in 1912, the desert bighorn sheep in 1936, after overhunting and competition with cattle and natural disasters uh, basically decimated the once abundant population. What makes the National Wildlife Refuge System special is that it has a more specific purpose than other protected lands. The conservation of wildlife drives everything on a National Wildlife Refuge, from the purpose for which each refuge was established, to the recreational activities that are offered, to the resource management tools that are used. Many communities across the country are lucky to live near a wildlife refuge. Perhaps you've visited one in your community or while on vacation. They are a staple of our public lands and a vital resource for all communities. In this episode, we're going to focus on just one refuge, the Waccamaw National Wildlife Refuge. Let's hear more from Craig about the specifics of the Waccamaw National Wildlife Refuge. The Waccamaw National Wildlife Refuge is basically located in South Carolina's uh, low country. It's roughly 60 miles north of Charleston within Ori and Georgetown counties. Uh, the refuge was established in 1997 and has a 54,000 acre acquisition boundary of which 
35,000 acres has been acquired or leased and now managed within the portions of the Great PD and Waccamaw Rivers. And the purpose for the establishment was pretty much twofold, to protect and manage diverse habitats within an important coastal river ecosystem for the benefit of threatened endangered species, freshwater and anadromous fish, migratory birds, and forest wildlife, including a wide range of plants and animals associated with bottomland hardwoods. It also provides compatible wildlife-dependent recreation activities, including hunting, fishing, wildlife observation, wildlife photography, and environmental education and interpretation present in future generations. Like Craig said, the Waccamaw National Wildlife Refuge is in South Carolina's Low Country, an area of great beauty and historical significance. The Waccamaw River and the National Wildlife Refuge are situated in the heart of this community and are critical to the region's economy, environment, lifestyle, and health. The Waccamaw River also serves as a major source of the region's drinking water. Over the last few decades, coastal South Carolina has expanded and there's little signs of it letting up. Given the fast-paced growth of the community, additional work to protect critical tracts of land surrounding the refuge was needed. You know, all of this came through um, really trying to grow a refuge in the middle of, of an area that's one of the fastest uh, economically developing uh, areas on the East Coast. Um, the, the growth, uh, the residential growth and commercial growth is, is really um, some of the highest in the country. Over the last 23 years of land protection for the refuge, there have been some areas where permanent land use activities limited or prohibited the conservation values for these parcels. Land use such as residential and commercial development limited the ability of the refuge to incorporate these areas into the refuge. The region is experiencing a tremendous amount of growth and development, which is compounded by the impacts of climate change. Development and climate change made protecting additional land around the refuge even more essential. Not only will additional land establish new habitat for wildlife and provide additional recreation opportunities, but it will also help ensure the region's resilience to climate change. We've also been looking at climate change models that indicated habitat changes in the lower reaches of the refuge that might take place in the next 25 to 50 years. So protecting upstream habitats of the current boundary uh, have been become a new priority. Um, so these new areas uh, that are outside of our acquisition boundary that have been identified using new available science applications uh, that have been identified as equally important areas for protection. Uh, for example, new science has become available that identified migration patterns for coastal black bears and new foraging and nesting areas for swallowtail kites, both of which are already using habitats throughout the refuge. Craig and others within the community recognize that to fulfill the mission and vision of the Waccamaw Refuge, it was important that they protect and acquire land from willing sellers that were not currently within the Waccamaw National Wildlife Refuge acquisition boundary. But before we get too much further, let's break down what Craig is talking about. 
The Fish and Wildlife Service defines the acquisition boundary of a national wildlife refuge as the boundary that gives the service the approval to negotiate with willing landowners that might be interested in selling their land or may become interested in selling their land in the future. Let's hear from Craig about how wildlife refuge boundaries work and what needs to happen in order for newly acquired land to be added to a national wildlife refuge. We're only um, authorized to acquire lands uh, within an acquisition boundary and those are from willing sellers. So the boundary modification initiative started with landowners that were outside of our acquisition boundary and they expressed an interest in selling their property to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service or one of our partners. Uh, they wanted to see the properties um, added to the refuge. And so um, we, we used all these modeling tools to try to evaluate which ones would be the best ones to add. Uh, but once they're in our acquisition boundary, then we can move forward um, and purchase those from willing sellers. Um, so the boundary modification, minor boundary modification, really played a big role in opening up these opportunities for the refuge to be a, um, a partner in the community and protecting these properties. As Craig said, Newly protected tracts of land can only be acquired if those properties are within the acquisition boundary and from willing sellers. Prior to 2019, many properties with high conservation value and with willing and interested sellers were outside of the Waccamaw National Wildlife Refuge acquisition boundary. This meant that the refuge could not acquire them. In the last decade, the refuge and local partners, including communities and nonprofits, recognize the importance of modifying the acquisition boundary of the refuge in order to ensure that these critical properties could be permanently protected and acquired by the Waccamaw National Wildlife Refuge. Not only would these new properties provide additional important habitat for species, but they also provide many services to the local community. And some of the benefits for this boundary modification will be additional protection for important wildlife and wetland habitats. It'll also allow for stormwater services, recreational opportunities, and future migratory shifts caused by climate change. Uh, the upper end of the refuge acquisition boundary that has now been modified eventually allow for us to uh, to protect areas that are very important for floods, uh, flood capacity management during um, hurricanes and other events around the city of Conway. And eventually, we hope to incorporate this into some recreational uh, nature trails that would connect up places like Coastal Carolina University with the city of Conway and, and have a really nice uh, wildlife corridor. Modifying the Waccamaw acquisition boundary couldn't have happened without the work of many different groups and stakeholders who care about the refuge, the local communities, and the river. For this next segment of the podcast, my colleague Janae Davis, American Rivers Winya Bay coordinator, held a roundtable discussion over Zoom with a few of the partners that were essential in making the minor boundary modification happen. Today, I am with several folks who partnered with Craig Sasser to support the minor boundary modification of the refuge. We have Mariah Whitehead, the senior program manager for the Southeast at the Open Space Institute, 
But at the time that the minor boundary modification was being planned, she was the Winyard Bay Project Director for the Nature Conservancy. We also have Ray Funny, who is the Executive Director of the Village Group in Plantersville, South Carolina. This is a fabulous community-based organization which works to improve quality of life for the people of Georgetown County in South Carolina and to create a better and brighter future for children. We have Craig Sasser also on the call. Uh, he's the refuge manager at the Waccamaw National Wildlife Refuge. And we also have Garrett Yopsis, the senior director of Rivers of the Southern Appalachia and the Carolinas at American Rivers. So welcome you all. Thank you for taking the time to sit down and talk to us about the work that you did with uh, Craig uh, at the Waccamaw National Wildlife Refuge. Um, the first question I would love to ask is, how, how did you all become involved um, with the, mi the minor boundary modification? And I'll start with you, Mariah. The first time Craig and I sat down and talked about a boundary modification. It was actually for, um, with the hopes of creating a major boundary modification for Waccamaw Refuge. And we had been working together for years at that point, um, studying swallowtail kite habitat in the refuge and watching the advance of saltwater intrusion in the lower portion of the refuge and really saw that need um, to protect some habitat further upstream that was going to be less vulnerable to salinity intrusion. Um, and I think at the time we already saw some opportunities really to engage specifically with the city of Conway with their interest in protecting some habitat just outside um, of their historic downtown. As Mariah, who works for the Open Space Institute mentioned, there was a need to modify the refuge boundary, not to just improve habitat, but also to provide additional recreation and to make communities along the Waccamaw River more resilient. A number of local partners agreed with her. Well, um, Craig and I have been, you know, associates for many, many years, and uh, he and I talked about the potential of how this expansion would benefit the community. And I just think that it's a win-win for, for, for everyone, for us to be a part of this, of this growth potential, to allow the community to be a part of this um, expansion such that we can be able to utilize that facility in a, in a much different light than we have in the past. Ray is the Public Service Director for Georgetown County. Additionally, he's the Executive Director and founder of the Village Group. As he said, the refuge modification is a win-win for everyone. Let's hear more from Janae and Garrett with American Rivers about how the process snowballed from an idea to reality. So I can see how this is kind of snowballing into a, a broader, broad-reaching um, plan to address just multiple issues and, and to reach out to the community. How about you, Garrett? Um, yeah, I think this is going to be maybe a little redundant, but you're going to find that really what's happened here is, <clears throat> you know, through a, a, a number of long going relationships and partnerships that we've all had together. So again, we've been partners with um, the, the refuge for 
ever really ever since we started the program, Mariah and uh, has has been also involved for a while, and and Ray is obviously a big player down there in, in what's going on along the 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 lower part of the of the river. So, um, you know, we really got involved first through our Blue Trail program, and then um, heard about the opportunity to do again a major boundary expansion, and that's um, that's how we got started in this whole process. That's great. So. Yeah, that, that makes me think about Craig. Craig, you're you're kind of like a, a tree with many branches reaching out to um, different folks in the community. As Janae said, Craig Sasser, refuge manager, is the linchpin in this process. Let's hear from Craig on some of the challenges facing the refuge and how this diverse group of partners helped the refuge overcome some of the challenges and modify the boundary to benefit everyone. I guess probably the biggest challenge um, that, that the refuge itself, the refuge system has been facing is just uh declining budgets over time and so um the idea or concept of of doing a, a major boundary expansion um was slowly slipping away um as we were engaging the community and looking at options and um so this minor boundary modification was spawned out of that um initiative and allowed us to to modify our boundaries and add um, some really incredible uh, opportunities and properties into the boundary uh, without changing our acquisition size. I guess the biggest thing is that uh, the partners have been so gracious in bringing the resources to the table to help us with the planning side of all this because um, our, our planners are limited in, in numbers in our regional office and so we weren't able to really um, tap into a lot of those resources until we did the boundary modification, minor boundary modification. But along the way, the whole development of, the, of many of the tools, uh, the modeling tools that we used to, to shape the new boundary were generated through partnerships with, with uh, uh, Open Space Institute and Nature Conservancy, American Rivers, and, and even the county and the city of Conway. A, a lot of partners came to um, the team and brought resources and helped us to get all of that done. It was just a really unique opportunity. A lot of players came into the room at that time. Um, all these things just happened at one time um, and it just kept building momentum, kind of like a snowball going down a mountain. And, um, and we've spent a lot of time uh, just building relationships among all the partners, um, bouncing ideas off each other, how uh, the various entities could could benefit from this uh, concept and, and over time just developing a plan that eventually came to fruition. Um, and the, the neat thing is all the partners that have been involved have stayed involved throughout the process. It took everyone being at the table thinking collaboratively to make this dream a reality. From local nonprofits to city officials, everyone was on the same page. Well, this is Garrett. I'll be glad to <clears throat> speak up and kind of second what, what Craig said is that, you know, it really took us all kind of getting together uh, and figuring out what we could do. Janae, I'll add um, a neat story that I remember. You know, there were <clears throat> so many highlights um, 
and what I felt like were really kind of incredible successes over the decade that we worked on this. And one was the very grassroots support that we saw coming from the city of Conway. Um, and I remember a, a meeting, it was a listening session that then Secretary Jewell was hosting in Charleston, where the city administrator of Conway came and stood up and, um, and actually read a statement that he prepared for the Secretary of the Interior about the partnership between Waccamaw Refuge and the city. And um, it was just such a, it was such a cool moment that he had put that much thought into this and was excited for the opportunity to, to share his thoughts about the incredible, part, incredible partnership. While technically, the changes to the boundary are a minor boundary modification, there are a significant number of benefits that the refuge, local communities, and the river will receive from this modification. You know, one thing that we, we talk about this minor boundary modification, which is the correct term for it, but, you know, I think what we've done is something really major. We've, um, you know, we've the opportunity to protect over 6,600 acres of land that um, are really going to benefit, you know, communities like, like Plantersville, uh, the people that live there, as well as the wildlife community. Um, yeah, one thing that Mariah mentioned earlier, this was really built on the idea that, or the, the, the recognition that we're having climate change, we're seeing sea level rise, and we need to take some effective actions um, to build resiliency against those things. And we've also, since that time, seen, seen a huge increase in the amount of flooding uh, along the Waccamaw. Um, the refuges played a big role in in storing floodwaters and by by protecting these lands <clears throat> that are along the refuge and now part of the refuge boundary, it gives uh, well, the opportunity to continue those natural river system functions that that store floodwater, that reduce downstream flooding, that protect water quality for the drinking water uh, of the community. So. Um, so again, while while I, I recognize that officially this is a minor boundary expansion, um, I just I just think that it, it doesn't do justice for what actually was done here because I think we've done a, a really big thing. I agree. I agree too. And and what I'm hearing is that there are just these multiple benefits, right? There's the benefit of helping wildlife to be more resilient, providing more public access really involving like the the history of the landscape right and the plantation history and environmental education along with that and floor, flood water storage and water quality benefits um it's just a win-win for both human communities and wildlife communities said the modification not only helps wildlife in the river but also provides many benefits for us as people including the ability to learn more about the history of the region the modification now encompasses hasty point plantation and sandy island which are deeply connected to the region's history plantersville and sandy island are historic african-american communities plantersville sits along the banks of the great pd river adjacent to the refuge Sandy Island is at the confluence of the Waccamaw and the PD rivers. 
It's the largest undeveloped freshwater island on the East Coast. Both Plantersville and Sandy Island are home to the Gullah Geechee people, who are descendants of slaves who worked on the rice plantations along the Waccamaw and Petey Rivers, which now flow through the Waccamaw National Wildlife Refuge. Both communities are rich in their natural beauty and their cultural heritage that are connected to the natural landscape. Hasty Point is a historical plantation on the PD River that sits between Plantersville and Sandy Island. It's an acquisition by the refuge that will offer the children of Plantersville, residents of surrounding communities, and visitors opportunities to learn about the rich cultural histories and ecological treasures of both Sandy Island, Plantersville, and other historic communities in the region. Let's tune back into the group discussion to learn more about some of the educational opportunities that will come out of the minor boundary modification. Last year, Craig invited me to be a part of a, a group to explore some of the opportunities um, about the plantation and the structures that were already on the properties and more particularly the incredible Petey River and what it has to offer, not only Plantersville, but also Sandy Island. We had a chance to to, to explore the, the, the plantation, but also we caught a boat, uh, we ran, meandered uh, through the rivers to visit Sandy Island and met with some of the locals and saw such great potential for us to, you know, recreate what used to be years, years ago when my mother, who lived on the plantation, not that one, but how they used the rivers to communicate back and forth to Sandy Island and how it could be one of those things that we could now um, use in, in a various different ways for ecotourism to um, just educational opportunities for our young people. Um, you know, I, I was just really um, excited to know that the potential exists for, for us in our community and how we could grow from the expansion of this, um, of this base. So Craig, the Hasty Point Plantation is one of the areas that has been added to the new acquisition boundary of the refuge. Is that correct? That's Is correct. We had a portion of the um, property within our uh, past acquisition boundary, and so we've been leasing a portion of the property for mainly waterfowl management and wetland management. Um, and so when we modified our boundary, we were able to add the, the mainland side of the property um, and what that, that did was really offer an opportunity to not only connect up the uh, Plantersville Scenic Byway with the uh, Great PD Scenic River System, but also offer some really unique public access opportunities that in the future I hope will help us connect up the, the Plantersville community with Sandy Island and um, offer opportunities not just for wildlife management, habitat management, and public use, but also environmental ed and being able to to get students um, from grade school all the way up through the college uh, level to be able to understand how the river has kind of shaped the community and how the community has shaped the river and, and a lot of the habitats that are um, really near and dear to uh, the history and community of the low country. The minor boundary modification offers an array of benefits to the communities surrounding the refuge, including ecotourism. 
By acquiring Hasty Point, the minor boundary modification will connect the refuge to the Plantersville Scenic Byway. This will enhance events like the Tour de Plantersville, an annual family-friendly cycling event held by the Village Group along the Scenic Byway. The tour has been really a welcome surprise to us in Plantersville, and it has been embraced by a lot of people locally in Georgetown and beyond of the idea of trying to showcase our community in a very friendly and very, I guess, healthy way, you know? And so we have a lot of uh, natural uh, attribution along the scenic byway. And I guess the scenic byway was the impetus for this to, uh, to be developed along with our bike club. We wanted to now, we want to showcase our, our scenic byway. You know, we are the only scenic byway in the northeastern part of South Carolina. and. You know, we're very proud of that, and that allowed us to now come and present to the world, to this part of the country, uh, what we have to offer. And so um, October 31st of this year, we have rescheduled the 2020 tour de Plantersville, and we want you to come and be with us. As you've heard in this episode, everyone recognizes how essential community support was in making the minor boundary modification a reality. The outpour of support that the refuge received isn't a normal thing. Here's Mariah and Janae on how incredible the support was. I wanted to chime in, um, you know, just about how incredible the community support of this effort has been and how unique that is. Um, having communities like Plantersville, Georgetown, Conway really being advocates for the, for the refuge, um, for its expansion. That is not a common thing in the Southeast. And Greg and I had a pretty good sense of the context of other expansion efforts in other states. And there was none, none other like, um, like Waccamaw's effort. It really was grassroots and community driven and supported um, throughout this decade we worked on it. Uh, and I think that really highlights the value when people come together, people from diverse groups come together, what can be achieved. The local community understands how important the Waccamaw River and the Waccamaw National Wildlife Refuge are for their region. In October of 2019, the partners' hard work paid off when the minor boundary modification was approved by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Regional Director. The modification will add 6,638 acres of land that have been identified through scientific modeling as key areas to promote coastal resilience and increase wildlife and recreation management opportunities. The modification will also remove 6,849 acres from the current acquisition boundary that have not been acquired and no longer offer wildlife habitat or are unavailable for acquisition. Because of this modification, communities will benefit from the vision as protected lands continue to ensure clean drinking water, safeguard against flood damage, and provide public access to some of the Low Country's most treasured landscapes. I, I like to say that um, Georgetown County, we are very blessed with wonderful oceanfront <laughs> properties and oceanfront facilities, and we're just excited about those great blessings that we, we, we have. But I'm also um, tickled that we have other river um, 
natural resources that that we that we want to share with with the world as well. I think as we move forward with this project, uh, it opens up all kinds of other um, uh, ecotourism for our community, such that people coming visit our area not only can they enjoy the oceanfront, but they can also enjoy the rivers that we have in, in our counties and other natural wildlife opportunities that we that we enjoy on a regular basis. So I see this project, you know, a win-win for the locals. I see it as a win-win for our guests to come to our community on a regular basis. And it helps us to grow, I think, smartly, I think, uh, very um, in the right direction with utilizing the full community. Thank you for listening to We Are Rivers, conversations about the rivers that connect us. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to rate and comment. Thanks to our interviewees for participating in the podcast today. This episode was written and produced by Janae Davis and Faye Hartman with support from American Rivers. To learn more about American Rivers, visit us on the web at www.americanrivers.org.